the Ocean State. Visit the website, dipetro.com. And don't forget, dipetro.com, our website, where you can reach me. We have original stories. We have another one going up a little bit later today in the broadcast. Or I should say later today. The show will be over. But uh, dipetro.com, which is by the way, sole source restoration. Uh, they clean and disinfect residential commercial properties. If you're listing right now, and whether it's your home or a business, and you want to make sure it's clean, and I mean like really clean, request a quote with Mike CP, Soul, Soul Source Restoration, and their business is booming, and for a very good reason. 401 712 2700. I recognize some people may say, Juan, listen, there's, there's no way I'm going to remember that, that number. Well, if you go to the website, dipetro.com, there's a, uh, a direct link to Soul Source Restoration. Now, listen, the situation overseas is, um, is getting increasingly worse. I find the whole thing actually very fascinating. Uh, Putin, you know, there's there's a lot. If you cipher through, there's a lot of reporting. I also want to remind people that I'm finding a lot of the reporting on this. Um, I recognize that uh, there's a lot of people that they don't like the, the media in this country. But, um, you know, the, the element of a story like this is you have a lot of international correspondents that are covering what's going on. And this is very, very serious. There's a lot of a lot of people have misconceptions of it. And I'm going to talk about it. It's important. There's a lot of sound. I recognize, number one, you have people that say, I, I don't even think it's real. This is but like, let's let's remove Biden from the equation. OK, for just a moment. Um, this does have to do with the United States. And what it has to do with is the fact that Russia and China feel that we are a weakened nation. And in many ways, they're not wrong. How many people listening or watching right now? You there are people that say just like I read that lawn sign. There are people who don't acknowledge we are you know, a divided country for different reasons. There are people that say he's not my president. I talked with a friend over the weekend. And this is someone who considers himself, you know, like, I don't want to say a patriot, but like a good American. And uh, he's been a friend for a very, very long time. And he's a patriot, New England patriot, season ticket holder. And he's got a family and he's got a good career. And he actually said to me on Saturday, the United States is, oh, I mean, I, I wouldn't go that far just yet before we start writing the death notice on, on the country. I mean, on this President's Day, listen, we have gone through other difficult times. Uh, you know, and Biden is, is clearly not up for the job. We don't have the best team on the field. But make no mistake about it. What many people um, <clears throat> don't seem to recognize is an unstable Europe, an unstable world is not good for, for the United States. And I know I mean, I hear from people, I don't want to hear that. It has nothing to do with us. We shouldn't get involved. Just understand, you, you may not think it involves us, but the largest land invasion since World War II to happen in Europe, um, I mean, don't you care about, let's just say, the price of gas? Gas could go up to $7 a gallon. Uh, the other thing that, you know, that is frightening is the ability of these cyber attacks. Russia could shut down the Poland, their entire grid of power. China and Russia, aggression and moving forward and wanting to take more territory. I don't care what kind of an isolationist you are. 
And there are people, you know, the thing about social media, there's ups and downsides to it. For me, there's a lot of information. The downside is you get to see there are some people who have no clue what they're talking about. And, but it does provide them an opportunity to post their views. I'm starting to wonder. I think it was better when we didn't have an, a, an app that anyone that thinks something could just put it out there. I get it. Freedom of speech. But, <clears throat> you know, if, if they could start to attack, the markets could tank. They could just start to go after bank accounts. Um, you're going to start to, if, if this full-scale war really <clears throat> breaks out, um, you know, you're going to have people that their 401ks are going to collapse. There are people that plan on retiring. That I mean, it could send everything into a spiral. <clears throat> um, so my point is, I mean, you can't be parochial about something like this. I know there are people that... You know, unless it how I only want to forget about the Ukraine border. What about our border? Listen, we, we don't have tanks rolling over our border. We have a lot of illegals rolling over our border. And yeah, like everyone else, I'm concerned about what I see up north, how things are being handled in Canada with the truckers. But that's nothing compared to 190,000 troops. on the. So basically, they've sur- surrounded Ukraine. And if you're someone like Putin... um. You know, he is a killer. He is an international gangster. He is a dangerous, evil person in the world. And this is the ultimate. You know, I'm sure this isn't what Biden wants to deal with. Of course not. But, you know, that's that's the hand that we have been dealt right now. Putin senses a weakened country. He senses a divided country. He senses a president. I'm not even and I don't mean this even disparagingly. I don't think President Biden is up up for the trip. Could he really fly, what, fly overseas to Paris? How long would it take him to recoup? I know it's not that far, but he doesn't seem to be up for travel right now. I mean, at the very least, thank God they canceled the weekend in Delaware. Vice President Harris, is there anyone listening or watching right now, if you want to be objective, that thinks that Putin is intimidated by the vice president of the United States, who's standing there? Talking about the United States will take swift action and we're telling them to back down. And she's wearing a blanking mask. I mean, do these people have any sense of theater? Do they have any sense of how this would then convey? Whether people like it or not, masks do not convey strength. Masks convey weakness. Do you ever see Putin in a mask? Well, what does that have to do with anything? Listen, he is someone, the only thing this guy... uh, the only thing that he recognizes is force. He's one of those individuals. You know, the clues, look at Robert Kraft. <laughs> Putin, as I was reminded over the weekend, Putin saw, you know, met Patriot owner Bob Kraft. Said, hey, he said, hey, you want to try my Super Bowl ring? Yes. Putin tried it on and then walked away. And then suddenly these... You know, Russian KGB guys were in the fair. But, but Kraft, by, finally, the U.S. government told him, just chuck it up to as a gift to a foreign. Listen, you know, that, that's great insight. He sees something he wants and he takes it. He sees a port that he wants overseas. He takes it. His idea of negotiation is like, you know, people, I know there's been a um, resurgence of interest in the Sopranos. 
because of, you know, for different reasons. A lot of during the pandemic, a lot of people started binge watching different things. And a lot of young kids now have like really discovered the Sopranos and so on. Well, Putin is another level of a Tony Soprano. I mean, he he sees a country he wants and takes it. He sees a port that he wants and takes it. He's not afraid to sacrifice his own people. He will, in a heartbeat, kill members of his own troops in order to then blame it on the Ukrainians. So my point is, and I'm going to play some of this, I just don't want, some people are very parochial in, you know, if it's almost like too far. Or people that say 99% of Americans don't even know where Ukraine is. Well, they, they're going to know where Ukraine is. You have someone who is 69 years old. He's been, you know, locked down in isolation because of COVID. <clears throat> he feels he has some scores to settle. And he seems on tent that he's going to settle them. And I, I'm just telling you, it should be, it's very troubling. Am I concerned about how some truckers are being treated in Canada? Yes, but that's not exactly tanking the markets, right? That's not leading. Uh, and now that the Olympics are over, I, I don't think, you know, we don't think China's going to sit back. Folks, uh, nations acting in this manner. And, and listen, the French president, yeah, I, I think he is a clown running around. Um, I'll set up a summit. Oh, yeah, like Putin. Look at the way Putin makes them sit at a table, right? I mean, look at the, the body language, the table. He makes them sit way down the end of the table, as someone said, like a Bond villain. He, this guy, he is a cold-blooded killer, he is the, you know, the, and I'm not going to use the leader of Germany the, the, that gets used too many times, but he is a, a brutal killer. He, in a, in a split second, would not think of executing anyone that crosses him, that does not fit into his plan. Um, and and I, I recognize some people. I don't think he's going to go in. I, I don't think he's going to have 190,000 troops standing there on the borders just to do a little military exercise. So, you know, we have to go. It is a fluid situation, but make no mistake about it. None of this is good. If in the fact that we have an administration, you know, right now, I mean, do I have faith right now at 1218? Do I have faith in the Biden-Harris administration? No, I do not. Uh, we are a weakened nation. We are a divided nation. You know, someone put, I, I, you know, I hesitate, but it just shows like the crazy mindset of people. Someone put Biden, if he wanted to show his unifier, should send President Trump over there to deal with Biden. Like, what are you talking about? That's, I don't know if it's the worst idea I've ever heard. It's one of the worst ideas I've ever heard. No, that's, that, first of all, that's illogical. It's never happening. Um that was a whole weird dynamic with President Trump. I was never comfortable, and I, I say this at 1219. I mean, I I was one of the original Trump supporters. I'm a big Trump supporter. I do feel he was treated unfairly by the press, the way he was always attacked, everything blamed on him. But there was, if we want to be objective, there was something odd uh, about his relationship with Putin. Um, he's an odd individual. Uh, the world would be better off if Putin didn't exist. The world would be a better, safer place if somehow he met his demise. However, that could happen. I don't know how that could happen, but he is a once in a generation leader. He took over 20 years ago. He has rebuilt the military. He seems intent on expanding his empire. 
And none of that should bode well. In a country where bacon is $8, you go to the grocery store, you go to Stop and Shop at Dave's, you want some bacon, it's 8 bucks, And gas could be headed to 7 bucks. And how are people going to react if their 401ks come tumbling down as Governor McKee is blowing all this money, this COVID money, and give money to illegals and give bonuses to state workers? And, you know, you have American um, undisciplined governors on this spending spree. You know, Governor McKee is on track now to spend $2 billion. He's like a, a drunken sailor that won a lottery ticket at a casino. I mean, it's insanity, the spending that is going on. But with all of that, there is a local story that I want to play. <clears throat> and, um, and that is that uh, apparently Jerry Tillinghast has died at age 75. I'm going to play Channel 12. Tim White has uh, covered him pretty extensively. I've not heard this piece. I am going to play it. Um, and I actually know his son, who is uh, Jared Tillinghast. Uh, full disclosure, he's a, I consider him a friend. He's a tremendous fighter. He is a successful uh, businessman. I've known Jared. We've had mutual friends. So I, I feel sorry for him. It was not easy growing up, um, having the individual who really wasn't in his life, but was still, you know, his, his father. So I'm going to play the Channel 12 piece on that. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not, you know. Listen, that's the thing, the old element of speak no ill of the dead. Um, I, I'm going to apply it even in a case like that. It is an interesting year with organized crime. You had Wayne David Collins, the uh, informant, uh, corrupt bail bondsman that treated Barney Prignano, the former chief. He also, his dad, but um, treated him like a puppet. I mean, he died. Now Tillinghast dies. Folks, these things always happen in three uh, we're in February right now, so the question is, who, who former, somehow part of that crap? Somebody's gonna, someone's gonna die pretty soon. But before we do that, I want to remind you folks, this portion of the program is brought by Henry Oil. Listen, make sure you fill up your oil tank with my friends from Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200, 401-521-0200. It's Henry Oil, reliable, affordable, fuel oil delivery. Call Henry Oil today. Automatic delivery, budget plan, service contracts, lock and cap pricing. Online at henryoil.com or call them at 401-521-0200. That's who you want to use. Let me play the Channel 12 piece. I want to give credit to Tim White of uh, Channel 12, who also even wrote a book about the bonded vault robbery. And then Jerry uh, Tillinghast was featured pretty prominently into... um, the very <clears throat> it was a very well done podcast, which was Crime Town. So, but I want to play. I haven't heard this, but I did. Uh, I think Tim White did a piece on Jerry Tillinghast this morning, and Tim White is certainly an expert on. Um, here we go. Now with breaking news on WPRI.com, I'm Tim White. A legend in Rhode Island organized crime has died. Jerry Tillinghast passed away early Monday morning of natural causes. He was 75 years old. Tillinghast spent nearly three decades in prison for the 1978 gangland slaying of loan shark George Basmagian. He was also one of the eight robbers who pulled off one of the most daring heists in U.S. history, the 1975 bonded vault robbery, where thieves made off with 10 of millions of dollars in cash, raw gems, and other valuables from a secret set of safe deposit boxes used by mobsters and their associates. Famously, 
Tillinghast was acquitted at Rhode Island's longest and most expensive trial for his role. Now, Tillinghast was part of the Womet faction of the Patriarca crime family, a ruthless crew run by Gerard and John Womet, and had the respect of the patriarch of the mob, Raymond Ellis Patriarca. A veteran of the U.S. Marine Corps, Tillinghast fought in Vietnam. He was suffering from congestive heart failure and recently entered into hospice. For WPRI.com, I'm Tim White. You know, that's a very, <clears throat> I don't know about it's breaking news, but anyhow, a very good report uh, by Tim White regarding um, the passing of, uh, and he is obviously uh, well known, and that is in fact um, Jerry Tillinghast. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show, again, I encourage you, implore you, if you will, <clears throat> to visit the website, depetro.com, which is watched by the Senadale Revival. Now, listen, it is, uh, we're almost, we have less than 30 days to go till spring. It's been a long winter, but I'll tell you a place that you're really going to like, and I would love you to try it. It's the Senadale Revival. Comfort food, cocktails, it's, it's such a great spot, and I really like Shane and the people that work there. 2025 Smith Street in North Province. You're going to love it. And I'm going to be there again uh, very soon at the Senadale Revival. So folks, again, right now at 1225, it is uh, President's Day and also um, the, thank God the Olympics are over. It was such an odd Olympics. I really, I watched some of it, but I don't know. The games, when I was, I think like a lot of you, uh, there's just more options now. Um, I think I think there's several things about the Olympics. One is, I think when we realized, or uh, I did anyway, but I think a lot of people have been turned off by all the performance-hancing drugs that seem to go into a lot of the sports now. And it just kind of takes away. Um, the Olympics are forever changed. And, and I just think there's there's other options. You know, it is true that... Every four years, you know, people around the world, especially in America, would gather around the television set and watch the summer games and the, the winter games. But there's, you know, it, it, it comes back to the argument. Did we watch it because it was fascinating, interesting, or was there nothing else on? You know, you got to remember that uh, years ago, the summertime is all just the repeats of, uh, of what had been on television that year. Now, you know, there's original programming 12 months of the year. So... It's also odd that it was obviously, you know, because of China and what's happening with with China and the propaganda they were trying to spread. But it was just an odd games. And then uh, but you you go back to the very beginning of the games and there was Putin uh, alone in his own luxury box at the games. Now, I'm looking at some headlines. The Russian invasion plan already begun. I played last hour. I'm going to play it. If you didn't hear it, CNN Dana Bash, who I like, and I know, I recognize some of you are just, anytime you hear anything, CNN, it's a negative. I Listen, I, I think it's, she's good, and she did an interview with the president of Finland, who I mean, think of that. 800 miles of Finland border Russia. <laughs> That's a tough neighbor to have. Um, and and he, he said some interesting things that he thinks that the last few times that he has spoken with Putin, that he's like a different guy. He um, he seems more determined. He seems very much on revenge. He's going to revenge what he feels was uh, done against him. He feels that Russia is under attack from the West. And he just, the, you know, the year you think about it. At 1228, we talk about 
how much COVID and children um, being, you know, uh, we, you know, we've learned a lot that seclusion is not good for people. Uh, COVID has had people secluded. People have had uh, different mil- uh, mental health challenges. You know who else it's not good for? A paranoid world dictator. It also apparently is not good for a paranoid world dictator because according to the president of Finland, COVID basically has pushed Putin over the edge. He senses his mortality. He has been kind of, you know, in seclusion like a lot of people have because of COVID. And now he is just ready to he's ready to march all over Europe and take as much as he can. And I think that the part that people have to be aware of that is is concerning. um, I, I think it's it's the element of of these cyber attacks. You know, they start going after banks, so they're going after power grids or all kinds of of different things. I, I think that is something that can't be discounted. But some of the headlines, tanks move within two miles of the Ukrainian border. Blitzkrieg or minor incursion, that's the part that remains an unknown. What shit is frightening, and I want to credit, the Washington Post has a story about it. They were able to obtain... A Moscow kill list. How do you like to be on the kill list? They immediately put forth a list of they're going to round up the Ukrainian officials. Some of them are going to be detained and others are going to be killed. Um, extremely violent operation. Kremlin denies concrete plans for Biden's summit. Macron pleads for peace in two hour phone call. Europe faces biggest war since 1945. Zelensky rips the West for inaction. Politician punched on Ukrainian TV. Zelensky is the head of Ukraine. In 2014, when he came into power, Putin and Russia did not like that Ukraine was starting to gravitate more towards the West. They still consider that the land of Russia. And now, two weeks ago, this is the same leader of Ukraine that was ripping the United States for saying we're making everybody paranoid by talking about that there was going to be an invasion. Now, he's ripping the West saying you're not doing enough. I'm pretty sure he's pretty high up on the kill list. That doesn't sound very positive. That does not sound very positive. To put it mildly, that doesn't sound very positive at all. Uh, But what has to, U.S. warns that Moscow has compiled a list of Ukrainians to target after the invasion. Folks, they have enough troops to not only invade, but then begin an an occupation. U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. has said the U.S. has credible information. Russia has compiled a list of Ukrainians killed or sent to camps. Kind of puts the whole trucker protest a little bit in perspective, in my opinion. Western officials have said Russia may use false claims about the ongoing conflict in eastern Ukraine as a pretext for an invasion. I think there's a lot of that going on. I don't think the president of France is helping running around saying that we have the guidelines for a summit. And, you know, if you're Putin, you just want more confusion. I don't think people fully recognize the misinformation, disinformation campaigns that are going on. You know, this is, you know, if you tell enough people, two and two is five. Um, you know, most people would, would say, no, two and two is four. But you start to get part of the population that start to say, you know what? Maybe two and two is five. 
Or you say two plus two is four, and they say, yeah, that's exactly what they want you to think. <laughs> A lot of pseudo-intellectuals. Russian President Putin said on Monday, Moscow should consider formally recognizing the self-proclaimed republics in eastern Ukraine as independent. Yeah. Now, this is all gamesmanship, and it is a high-level gamesmanship. But I'm talking, I, I think that kind of puts things in perspective, right? A kill list, um, a lot of the frontline workers locally, healthcare workers that were put out of work because they wouldn't get the vaccine, a lot of the truckers being evacuated from the protest. Um, I don't know. I think a kill list kind of puts things in perspective a little, a little bit. Um, or at least it should, at least it should. But no, this is, um, this is a very serious situation. And I say that what I find very concerning and should concern you is, I don't think anyone's going to argue we don't exactly have what I would consider the A team on the field right now, right? In the form of Harris and also uh, Vice President Harris and President uh, Biden, I mean, they're, and I'm trying to even be supportive and kind here. I mean, they're clearly not up to the job. Clearly not up to the job. Um, so I, um, I, I, I don't know. The whole thing is, is alarming. And I'd, I'd like to think, you know, when in 1980, when we defeated the, the Soviet Union, right? The famous Olympic hockey. And when you had Reagan in office and going after um, the evil empire, which was the Soviet Union, you, you just, we had a different sense. Let's face it, you know, right now, this feels a lot more like the late 70s with President Carter than it does under President Reagan or President Bush 41 with Operation Desert Storm. Um, I know a lot of people want to knock U.S. intelligence because of what happened with the weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. But, you know, the, the same way that President Biden and Harris don't exactly command respect in our country, uh, I think Putin views it the same way. I want to play um, because I, I also what pressed on what the response would look like should Russia invade Ukraine. Defense um, Secretary Austin tells Martha Raddatz the sanctions we've talked about very, very serious. Um, I want to play some of this because I think it's good. what happens then. What's the immediate response from the U.S. and NATO? The sanctions uh, that we talked about, uh, you know, we're very serious about. And these are sanctions. Uh, that will have effects that uh, Mr. Putin has not uh, not realized before. You know, the sad part about this, Martha, is that it may not affect Mr. Putin uh, to the degree that it's going to affect the average Russian. And, you know, the decisions that he's making now will, will bring about a lot of pain and suffering uh, on his comrades uh, in, in Russia. Americans could feel the impact of those sanctions, too. Russia is the third largest oil producer in the world. Any disruptions to the global oil market could create shortages in Europe and increase gas prices in the U.S. I mean, there's nothing good about our economy if gas goes to $7 a gallon. I want to repeat, there's nothing good about our economy 
uh, if gas goes to $7, $7 a gallon. And let's face it, we think of, if you're Putin, you've been watching a country that has been vilifying your police force. You've been watching a country where they take out someone who was very strong in the form of President Trump and replace him with a feeble older man who's been around for a very long time, who to say he's lost his fastball is being kind is an understatement. And a nation that doesn't have tremendous confidence. What's also absolutely insane about the situation with with the price of gas, and this is the progressive left that have taken over the Democrat Party. We have plenty of oil in this country. Under President Trump, suddenly we weren't even relying on on foreign oil. But but because of listening to the progressive left with President Biden, they've they've gotten rid of that advantage. Um, a, A big part of our demise has been the rise of the progressive left. These people, they're nuts. They're just loud. They shouldn't be listened to. They have infiltrated public office. They've infiltrated our media, uh, even locally, right? You have a socialist that fills in on what's supposed to be a mainstream talk station, but gets to fill in and gets socialist propaganda ideas out there. Um, <clears throat> Wall Street Journal cracks in Western resolve on Russia. Italy blinks on tough sanctions. Exactly the wrong mo- uh, moment. I mean, is, the, is there anyone that thinks that you think they're going to stand up to Putin? French President Macron scrambled Sunday to stop a Russian invasion of Ukraine, ranging a possible summit between President Biden and Putin. It's hard to see what the Russian will accept beyond concessions that would compromise NATO's security. And meanwhile, Italy's already blinking. U.S. officials at the weekend Munich Security Conference kept insisting how unified transatlantic alliances in the face of Russian aggression. It's almost as if they're trying to convince themselves as much as Putin, since they know the cracks that exist below the surface, claims of resolve and unity. We're discussing sanctions with the EU in the course of these discussions. We've made our positions known. They should be concentrated, narrow sectors without including energy said the Italian prime minister. Without including energy, this kind of preemptive surrender is exactly why Putin figures the price of invasion would be lower than advertised. Italy imports 90% of its gas. And is one of Moscow's biggest clients on the continent. The Italian leader doesn't want his legacy as a national unity prime minister tarnished by an energy crisis. But enabling Russian imperialism would be a much greater strain. Asked over the weekend whether Brussels would impose sanctions on Russia. European Commission president responded, everything's on the table. She added, Europe, quote, could bring the necessary gas to Italy so that Italy's also on the safe side. Energy isn't the only concern and Rome is the only European capital that may waver on sanctions. Germany's reluctance is well established. Hungary is afraid. Banning Russia from the SWIFT financial clearing system has already been ruled out. It could imperil um, tens of billions in payments to Russia creditors in Austria, France, and the Netherlands. 
As for a Biden-Putin summit, the Russian dictator is in control of events as his forces are poised for a blitzkrieg. He wants to extort concessions that will make the capital of Ukraine subordinate to the Kremlin and weaken NATO's defense. Either would be humiliating act of appeasement that would invite more aggression later. Today, the Kremlin cast doubts on plans for a summit as it continues its propaganda operations, claiming Ukrainian aggression. Today, Putin said he'd soon decide on reorganizing Ukraine's two breakaway regions as independent. Well, we're already seeing how that's going. The West weakness was exposed in Munich in remarks by the Ukrainian president, Zelensky, that should haunt Europe. We don't need your sanctions after the bombardment will happen and after our country will be fired at or after we will have no borders and after we'll have no economy or part of our country will be occupied. Why would we need those sanctions then? U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken replied, as soon as sanctions are used, they cease to be deterrent, even as he and Biden said an invasion is all but inevitable. If the slaughter unfolds, American and European elites should reflect on how they again made themselves hostage to a dictator. Folks, this is has all the makings of a disaster. And by the way, um, his you're not just talking about Russian troops, by the way, something else. Just finally, a note on this that um, should be called out is um, that. Russia, they use these mercenaries, uh, military forces, especially in Africa, where you have different countries pulling their troops out, but Russia has guns for hire. There's a group called the Wagner Group. U.S. Africa Command confirmed the presence. Russian American officials suggested they're paid $10 million a month, and the mercenary numbers in a uh, grow. So as France is pulling out of Africa, so Putin even uses these mercenaries. It's not Russian soldiers as a private outfit, an extension of the Russian state. And he's extending it even into Venezuela, all over Africa, and even into uh, parts of Afghanistan. So um, the situation, it, it is very serious. And, and as I said, folks, this is another example. Appeasement doesn't work. Appeasement is weakness to them. The only thing they understand is force. And I want to give credit to, you know, President Trump was tough on China. President Trump was not afraid to say that that China was ripping us off. Um, He was bringing them to the table. Now, you know, there's certainly speculation that China fired back at President Trump by releasing the virus that totally upended his administration. Folks, you go back to February of 2020 and President Trump, as we know, was I mean, it's he was going to cruise to reelection. He was going to cruise to another four years. And then, you know, prior to that, it was New Year's Eve of 2021 was the first report in USA Today about a virus that had taken over in China. And had these people sick. And then, you know, the rest we know. Um, that Wuhan lab and how they were going into lockdown and everything else. 
But <clears throat> as we learned during World War One and World War Two, appeasement with dictators does not work. The only thing they respond to is strength. President Reagan understood that. Um, I'm going to talk about that locally in just a moment. Folks, I want to um, remind you about our friends at R.E. Coogan Heating. It's Coogie, the Coogie Point. Call them today, 401-732-6562. For your heating and cooling and plumbing, helpful, trustworthy, reliable. As Coog says, let us into your home. Don't fix it alone. It's R.E. Coogan Heating, 401-732-6562. Look for them on Facebook. Then the website is recooganheating.com. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show, again, go to the website, dePietro.com, and it's brought to you by Endzone Sports Pub. Hey, have a drink and watch your favorite sports team, clean, friendly place. They also have karaoke starts at 8.30 on Friday and Saturday. And we have March Madness coming up. We have um, basketball and hockey. End Zone Sports Pub, 960 Menden Road in Cumberland. <clears throat> the element of appeasement. You know, we talked about it last hour. And if you missed it, it's I really enjoy it. Uh, I speak to Justin Katz. Our segment is Politics This Week. And Justin was saying how it, it was kind of remarkable that last week, Attorney General Peter Narona had a briefing where he announced that he was uh, not in favor of was going to block this health care merger. And it caught everybody off guard. It caught everybody off guard. And, um, and Justin was saying how, boy, it's interesting how, like, Governor McKee didn't know that this press conference was coming. Governor McKee didn't know that Attorney General Narona was saying that I am not in favor of this veto. I can't in good conscience, let this, excuse me, this merger, I can't let this healthcare merger go forward. And I, my, my, what I would say on that is, see, I believe that, and I recognize he does have a Republican challenger, but I think it's very telling that Attorney General Peter Narona, um, <clears throat> he is so different than other Rhode Island politicians, he did not pick up the phone and tip off Governor McKee. He does not. I'm going to speak for him. He's not saying it. But, you know, I, I don't think he um, I don't think he trusts those at the state house. I don't think he wanted to have, you know, all right. So you tip off Governor McKee or someone at the state house that he was going to block this merger and use the office of the attorney general's office. And he was not going to sign off on it. And the next thing you know, you know, they're leaking to the unions because the unions had signed off and they were endorsing this merger. So I actually find it pretty refreshing that Narona was not going to kowtow to them. Um, Attorney General Peter Narona, that was that was so different than what we've seen from all these other. And again, I, I recognize there's no one that's perfect in office. I know some people have problems with him, the way he's handled certain cases or people go after with some of his views on uh, gun legislation. But like I said, there's no one perfect in office. And it was refreshing to see someone local that is clearly not part of the Old Boys Network, clearly didn't feel like, hey, Governor McKee, heads up uh, and, and tip him off on that. You know, that reminds me of, I want to remind you that when the FBI raided Speaker Gordon Fox's office, Back in uh, 2012, 2013, they didn't tell 
Attorney General Peter Kilmartin. And why didn't they tell Kilmartin? Because he would have tipped off Gordon Fox and the people at the State House. So I think it's refreshing that Kilmartin is not on that page, which brings me to appeasement. You know, Governor McKee is going to announce tomorrow. And folks, again, good afternoon at 1248. I have a lot more sound about the situation with Russia, Ukraine, um, you know, and make no mistake, that is going to blow everything out of the water. Um, <clears throat> Putin does not answer to Biden. These people that are saying, I think it's just a distraction so Biden doesn't have to talk about the border. And But if, if you think uh, that Putin is somehow working with President Biden or trying to help President Biden or that this is imaginary, that there are not all these troops overseas, Let's like, don't be so parochial. Don't be so provincial. Don't look like with blinders on this. Look at the international reporting. Everybody's not a liar. Everybody's not fake news, right? Everybody's not. Today is Monday. That's not an opinion. It's a fact. I had a back and forth with someone over the weekend that tries to say misinformation is just someone's opinion. Uh, No, it's not, right? It is. If someone says today is Monday. And someone says, no, it's not. Or that's what they think, want you to think. That's, that's not an opinion. That's giving false information. That's giving misinformation. But anyhow, um, Governor McKee is set to announce tomorrow that his final announcement, he planned from what I'm told was going to have it back in January. But because of the mess with Dr. Scott, because of the mess with COVID, uh, because they'd have to do it inside, that it'll be in masks, uh, he has put it off. But Governor McKee, last week, really was not available to the press. They've been keeping him a little more under wraps. And what he has still not addressed is the fact that those state workers, Channel 12 reported, great reporting by Channel 12, WPRI, that Governor McKee is set to use our money. Our taxpayer money, at least nine million of it, and nine million of COVID money, at least minimum, eighteen million total, and he's just giving it to state workers as a bonus. But what I would argue is he's just trying to bribe them for their votes. He's no under he's under no directive to do it. There's nothing in the contract about it. There's no precedent for it. It's insulting to think it's retention bonuses because they don't even have to post a state job. Anytime a state job posts, people dive for it. But he has never answered questions on using our money, your money, our money, and just giving it to state workers. $3,000. Totals 18 million, and there's two more unions that also want it now. Completely irresponsible. Now, that is someone who's just appeasing the unions. What can we do to get your support? What can I do, meaning Governor McKee, saying to the union leaders, what can I do to not get you to support one of my opponents? And then they come up with the wish list. Well, the Providence teachers got 3,000, so we want 3,000. And Governor McKee said he would not use taxpayer money and even initially called it a misstep. But what did he do? He's still giving it to them. And 1,500 of 
it. Half. 1,500 of it is going to arrive in July. How convenient. Right before early voting starts with the Democrat primary. There's no reason for it. There's no other reason to regard this other than a bribe. And it's a bribe with our money. Let me be very clear about this. If Governor McKee wants to raise $18 million for his campaign, and he wants to give all the unions members whatever, $3,000, and says, yeah, I'm hiring them all as campaign people. And if he wants to do that with his campaign money, which I'm not sure it's legal, or his own money, hey, that's entirely up to him. But you don't do that with our money. He's not even the elected governor, I want to remind people. He is fulfilling the term of Gina Raimondo. Uh, I am not convinced he's going to win this primary. But he has never answered that. Channel 12 put out the story. They got a hold of a leaked memo. And all week, he was basically under wraps, off the radar. Didn't want to have to answer for it. But tomorrow, he's going to make his big announcement. My point is... He's basically just appeasing the special interest. But as far as Attorney General Pina Narona, I actually, I admire that. He has no sights. He has not set his sights. He's not planning on running for governor. He's not saying he's running for anything. I think, I think Pina Narona would be a force if someday he ran for Senate. I'm being objective. He is a smart guy. You put him on a stage. Uh, he runs a clean administration. He had no problems when he was U.S. attorney. He said no problems as attorney general, which is not easy. Um, he is he's a pretty earnest guy, but he is so different than the regular politicians up on Smith Hill. Far, far different from that. So I thought it was interesting. Justin was mentioning how Justin Katz in our segment last hour politics this week, how Governor McKee was seemingly caught flat footed. I don't blame Peter Narona. Because there's a lot of information leaking out of the McKee administration between the Department of Health, Department of Administration. Um, and also, it is comical to me. I know Ernie Almonte. And I, I, I've known him for a while. And then he ran for general treasurer. He's a good guy. Um, but I did see him back in December. And he told me that he had left, he had moved to Florida and then moved back. Because he believes so firmly in the leadership of Lieutenant Governor Matos. And he just left her office. And now he's working for the League of Cities and Towns. So I'll follow up. Um, I noticed that then Sabina Matos appointed a new chief of staff. And who did she pick? Let's see. Um, Someone for the city of Providence. Boy, I'll say one thing about the uh, McKee-Matos administrations. They don't venture for whenever there's a pick. Governor McKee's idea of venturing like way off the reservation is he he chose Eva Mancuso to now be a senior advisor. Um, and again, I, I've known Eva a long time. Uh, I've known her for over 20 years. I knew her her dad, Tony Mancuso, who was a um, just a, a force and a legend in uh, Rhode Island law enforcement. And But I, I think it kind of goes into, if you, you've heard when I've had Dan McGowan on, of the Boston Globe, and he, he's talked about that um, Governor McKee feels that he doesn't have anyone really defending him out there. That's what I believe that Eva Mancuso is, is going to become, that, that she is going to slowly um, 
become like his um, defender, so to speak, to the media. But, folks, again, I, I can't. This Russian invasion of Ukraine, let me go to this week. This is um, a discussion with uh, former general with Martha Raddatz. It's, um, it's, it's, it's very serious. Also, these cyber attacks, like there's no telling where a lot of this stuff can go. Has said he has decided right. if this happens, and, and first of all, I want to know whether you think it's, it's practically a certainty of point. How does that conflict spread beyond here? Can it spread beyond here? Will we be in a new Cold War? Right. Well, first of all, I would say uh, that uh, I agree with President Biden that it is uh, likely to happen, that the pres- that President Putin has made a decision. Uh, that doesn't mean it can't be stopped. It doesn't mean President Putin can't change his mind. But I do think that I right now so. uh, he's moving towards uh, large-scale invasion. So then the question Ooh. is, um, what does that mean? It means not only is Ukraine a threat, but really all of the global order, and certainly Eastern Europe is a threat, because if President Putin is bold enough and brazen enough and foolish enough to do this, uh, who knows what else he'll be willing to do. None of that is good. None of that is good. Folks, also, I'll play some of this next hour. 60 Minutes had this um, odd story last night, and it has to do with... um, where they, they think they could be using some kind of technology, Havana syndrome, where they're beaming something at someone. And what's so dangerous about it is um, is this could be potentially used to completely, first of all, it wouldn't take a lot to disorient President Biden. Let's be very clear about that. Uh, but th- this, you know, somehow aimed at our leaders. Um, Very, very dangerous. I want to go to this week, Martha Raddatz filling as Stephanopoulos, Frank Lutz. Now, I like Frank Lutz. I know some people don't. I don't think President Trump likes him. He's a pollster. But he talks about President Biden. And I, I think he makes, a, he was excellent, by the way. Let's hear, this is There's a level of anxiety that I haven't seen since the 1970s. And, and I'd be curious to your reaction. Joe Biden ran as Harry Truman. He thought he was going to govern as Franklin Roosevelt. But this to me looks just like Jimmy Carter in every possible way. And those people sitting in the chamber on the 1st of March are going to wonder from this president, is he going to do to them what Jimmy Carter did, which is give us Ronald Reagan? Is he going to do to them what Bill Clinton did, which was he gave us... Well, to, to, to take the Carter analogy one step further, I mean, if you look at Axelrod's advice... Lean into the anxiety, humility. I mean, he's basically advising him to give a Malay speech. No. And, and I'll tell you, Axelrod touched the nerve with a lot of Democrats because yeah. the idea of, of kind of coming in with humility, sure, but, but saying things are rough, that is not the tone that people have come to expect out of a president. You know, they're already saying that they're going to have masks on in the chamber. By the way, the State of the Union, so it's a week from tomorrow night, March 1st, they're putting up the fencing. Because a lot of um, some of the trucker convoy heading to D.C. And all right, next hour, folks, again, uh, good afternoon. It's 1259. It's the John DePietro Show. We're going to break for the one o'clock news. The power hour is next. Remember, radio only, AM 1380 or 99.9 FM. You can listen online at the website, DePietro.com. 
We're going to break to for the one o'clock news and be back on the other side.